My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. As regular listeners of our programme will know very well, part of our mission here at the Leaders' Council is to bring you a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership and to this end, it is my delight to say that we're joined on today's show by Robert Craven. Uh, Robert, welcome to you and thanks for joining us on the programme. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you. And likewise, Robert, a pleasure for me to welcome you onto the show. And just for those listeners that might not be familiar with Robert and what he does, um, he's an experienced executive coach and keynote speaker on growing digital agencies. And in fact, he is the founder of Grow Your Own Digital Agency or Guider, a consultancy that helps digital agency leaders grow their businesses. Um, now, um, Robert, just to kind of um, sort of set the scene um, a little bit more for those tuning in, um, obviously you help with business growth, but how exactly do you sort of go about doing that within Guider, just to kind of contextualise, please? Oh, great, yeah. So we have um, an ology. Everyone has to have an ology. We have an ology which is very, very, very simple, which is literally where are you now, where are you going, how are you going to get there, and what are we going to measure up in play? This goes back to uh, books that I wrote, ooh, these are not millennium, uh, called Kickstart Your Business. I had a forward by Richard Branson, it was like the first of, I think, 10 books I've written. So there's an ology, that, that approach we work with at Warwick Business School, I've worked with at, at Cranfield, and consistently I've worked live with uh, proper real businesses, uh, helping them to grow themselves. Fantastic. And um, what was it that sort of motivated you to go about starting a business like this? Um, did you know quite early on in your career that sort of stepping into sort of leadership for yourself was going to be the way forward for you? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, I think I did. Uh, first job, Peggy Goat Lane. Uh, we were the guys and gals who were uh, giving away really expensive blankets and selling, selling nasty sheets in, in reality. Like that, at the age of about 12 or something. Um, and I knew that I couldn't wear a suit. I knew that I couldn't have a bot. I knew that um, I, I couldn't tolerate people telling me what to do. So finally, at university, I set up my own uh, soft setup, what became a, a cafe and a restaurant uh, in Bath, which is bonkers, really, because I had no experience whatsoever just massively i can only describe it as arrogant i don't think there's any, any other way of putting it i just thought and I, I have a really clear memory i was sitting in another place in bath eating a piece of pizza i was looking at it i'm sure loads of the listeners have had the same thing i look at the piece of pizza and go whatever it is one pound 80 for a piece of pizza what a ripoff i could do better than that it's like it's like 10 pieces worth of cheese and 10 pieces worth of flour and they're charging 180 that's absolutely outrageous and that was kind of my my intro to uh, running my own business for real. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, just for those younger viewers that might be tuning in that, you know, maybe of the entrepreneurial mindset and could have their own idea about starting a business themselves, having sort of gone and done it yourself, what advice would you give them to really kind of get them on the road to success? Um, uh, I think there's a couple of things. I, I think um, don't be afraid, well, Let's do the nasty one. Don't be afraid of sacking people. I think if I look back, I, I, I actually did a podcast on my 50 regrets. One of them was not sacking people quickly enough. That's not mean to be a negative. It's just if there isn't the right fit and it's not working, you know, be brave uh, and, and make that decision. 
another one for me is, is not charging enough. We're also ever so ever so humble and ever so grateful and we don't charge enough. I think we should charge a price which reflects the value that we give people. Um, I think those are the those are the the big starting points. And also I think recognize that running your own business uh, is not it's not the dream which you're sold. So the dream you're sold is run your own business, you'll be richer than your wildest dreams. You'll become the next Richard Richard Branson. Very few people actually do. Uh, and in fact, you know, what you actually do is you you almost put the nails in your own coffin because suddenly you're dependent on staff, you're dependent on suppliers, you're dependent on customers. And what was meant to give you this incredible freedom if you're not careful kind of ends up ends up trapping you. So I think my final, my third piece would be about mindset. This is all about, yes, I can, and yes, we will, and yes, that is an interesting challenge we now need to overcome. So I think it's, I think the mindset thing is probably the biggest thing for me. Yeah, so having talked about the importance of mindset there, how would you kind of describe your personal leadership style in terms of running your business? Oh, that's, that's <laughs> I hope they're not listening. Um, I am not the greatest people person. Uh, I have to admit that I, 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 I know what I'm meant to do as a, as a people manager in terms of, you know, listening and coaching and, and, uh, understanding where they're coming from and what they're doing and then talking about work. I'm slightly impatient on that. Um, what I am good at is I can see the big picture. I can see the big vision. Uh, and what I'm good at, but you can argue it's also a, a weakness, is is letting people in still. So here's the big picture. Here's the bits of the jigsaw puzzle that need to happen. I give you every confidence that you can go and you can go and do that. I am not a good micromanager. Uh, I think probably the really good leader has that uh, visionary, big picture piece, but also is is quite good at going from the from the kind of the telescope to kind of zooming in on the microscope, microscopic. So I think that's probably my weakness, but I think my strength is probably kind of the, the, the vision and the picture and getting out there and talking to people. Yeah, that certainly makes sense uh, from my perspective. I mean, it is difficult, isn't it, when you sort of have to acquire certain leadership skills, such as, you know, how to sort of really work with people and manage people. You may be good at sort of the other uh, strategic side of things, but then it is that micromanagement side that you talk about that is quite challenging. And uh, do you think that could be part of why sort of many British businesses and indeed business leaders in this country find the scale-up process quite challenging because you're having to kind of like, you know, balance the day-to-day with sort of stepping back into that more strategic role and having to kind of make sure they're doing both at the same time or maybe it's a case that you know they're not ready to let go of the day-to-day and it's it's sort of difficult emotionally for them to do that yeah so we I mean we've, we've done some research around this with with our, our clients and certainly we see that the, the high performers we've done a lot of work on high performers based mm. on a bunch of research but the high performers tend to have to Two people running running the show. A visionary, which is the the extrovert, strategist, making partnerships, doing joint ventures, cutting deals, out there talking to people, and then the instigator or the integrator, which is the person who makes makes stuff happen. And that is a really powerful 
combination. You know, and it's you that had their Packard, and there's always someone. There's always someone behind Steve Jobs. There's always someone around Richard Branson. There, there is normally a, a, a person slightly quiet in the background that's actually actually saying, okay, so how do we actually make this happen? So I think I think firstly that that pairing is really really important. Uh, I think also there is this huge challenge about, uh, you know, Michael Gerber talks about working on and in the business. If you want to grow the business, you need to step away from the delivery thing. Otherwise, otherwise what you're doing is you're essentially doing, you know, £10 an hour work. I kind of see it that I do £10 an hour work. I do as little of that available as I possibly can because I can find someone else much better, happy to do it. I do £100 an hour work, which is fine, that's roughly where I should be. But what I'm looking for is the £1,000 an hour work. I'm trying to do as much £1,000 an hour work you know, where I'm cutting deals, where we're, where we're you know, literally scaling, uh, and, and, and that's where I add the value to the business. So I think it's quite an interesting way of looking at how we, how we, how we do stuff. But yeah, scaling in this, in this country, people find tough. Mm, they do absolutely so um, when we think about the key things that entrepreneurs need to consider when they want to enter that scale up process I suppose who they surround themselves with who they bring on board to help them with that is one important element but what other aspects um, are really important from your perspective I think uh, again what we see and what we and what we talk about is the really great the really great businesses are obsessed with three things uh, where the heck are we going? Uh, you can call that strategy. Mm. How on earth do we sell more stuff? So you can call that marketing. And, and kind of why don't we get on better, which is the team speak. And you see that the businesses which are obsessed with strategy marketing teams, as well as obviously the financials and, and leadership, but the strategy marketing teams thing seems to be the, the, the focus. And 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 also it's about seeing seeing everything not from our point of view, but from the point of view of the customer or the client. Uh, and and just just it's not about us, you know. It's not about us. It's about them. And and it's about us being able to answer that question. You know, why should people bother to buy from us when they can when they can buy from the competition? So great businesses obsessed with strategy marketing and team. And with strategy especially, like you've, you've pointed out a very important thing there that some might not immediately sort of jump onto. It's the fact that strategy isn't meant to just work for the business and the people working within the business. It's got to work for the target market, hasn't it? It's got to work for the consumer in order to guarantee that longevity. Well, I think, I think people, uh, there's lots of different definitions of strategy. I think part of that problem is, you know, I mean, my wife as a teacher has letting the kids into class strategies and discipline strategies. Strategy has just become a word synonymous with plan. And actually, if you if you go back to your kind of business school 101 stuff, you'll see that strategy in the business sense is actually not just about not just about how good are we, but how good are we bearing in mind who our competition are, bearing in mind who our customers are bearing in mind what's going on in the market, what's going on in the industry, what's going on in the world. So, so strategy is actually, you know, to my mind, is planning while being aware of, of the outside world. And, you know, we all know we have been living in, in seriously 
volatile, uncertain times. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you know, good plans, good strategies only really are, are put to test when they, when they meet the enemy. Um, and so, you know, to think strategically isn't just about to think about planning, start with the end in mind, but it's also about being aware of, you know, how else might our clients or customers get what they need from us through the competition, what are they doing, and what's going on in the market is going to affect what's going on. So that's, so, so I think often people um, simplify strategy too much by thinking it's just about planning, and a plan is a plan. I think the strategic piece, if you look at the, the really clever uh, uh, entrepreneurs, they, they really understand who their competitors, well, first they understand who their customers are, what their problems, hurts, needs, it scratches, wants it are, and how they can add more value, how they can make their lives better, how they can make more profit, how they can give them more time. Uh, and, and also there's probably a piece around understanding what makes them different in the competition, how they've differentiated themselves. All incredibly important aspects for sure. And when you talk about sort of, you know, the, the state of the market, I suppose that what's going on in the marketplace and in the sort of wider economy is beyond the entrepreneur's control. But what they can control, of course, is strategically how they plan to sort of mitigate for the things that uh, that may come their way. And some businesses tend to put up their prices, they bootstrap completely, try and wait for the storm to pass, while others, as others... They tend to, you know, double down on things like, for instance, marketing spend to try and capitalise on the recovery when it does come around. And indeed, that's something that we saw an awful lot of during COVID. So um, from your perspective in, a re- in times of recession, Robert, what do entrepreneurs really need to be thinking about? Well, <laughs> all, the research, all the research this century and last century says the ones who do best after the recession are the ones who lean into and, and do lots more marketing in the recession. Everyone, everyone tends to be sort of you know, cutting costs, cutting costs, cutting costs. If you, at its simplest, if, if you lean into it and you become the people who can help help your clients and customers navigate the way forward, especially if you're professional services, obviously different different than consumer services. But in professional services, whether that's marketing agencies or accountants or lawyers, all their clients, especially if it's business to business, are facing incredible uncertainty. And who do they look to, to to help and support them? So I think in recession, you lean into marketing more than sales because um, your your brand will be recognised more if you're able to stand out and be active and be seen to be active and be seen to be helping people. I think. Um, it is an opportunity to uh, acquire market share. Uh, you'll see your competitors trying less hard in certain places. It'll be a time when, if you have deep enough pockets, uh, mergers and acquisitions are possible because other people will be going relatively, you know, their, their businesses will be up for sale or, or available. It's a time for joint ventures. And I think. Uh, yeah, as, as we look around, and I'm not saying that the COVID session or 2018-19 or 2009 weren't tough, not for a minute, because there were lots of casualties. The ones who did well were the ones who looked for the opportunities. And also, I think there's another thing about, about two other things. The thing about being nimble, 
about saying, oh, uh, this market isn't working for us. We could try that market. This product isn't working for us. Let's stop that. Try another one. So a real sense of entrepreneurial spirit, not saying, oh, I've got a hammer there for all problems and nails, but saying, what is it that people want that we can deliver? So kind of redefining yourself. Um, and the other thing has kind of slipped my mind because it popped into my mind and it popped out. I'm sure it'll, it'll return. So uh, keep on going. <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean it, it, it's easy isn't it uh, that to kind of lose the trail of thought sometimes when we've got so much going on but yeah I mean, you're absolutely right and uh, the importance of sort of being nimble as you say and being able to to pivot that's something that really can't be understated and it's something that we talked an awful lot about and it's the fact that you know oh yeah fine yeah. it's now come back to me thank you you've reminded me of it. I think the other thing is we know it's coming down the line we don't know how bad it's going to be mm. so you know Make the make the tough decisions in the cold light of day. Make the tough decisions now, not when you're not when it's emotionally charged and you've been working seventy hours a day and you don't know what's going to happen and all your staff are worried about their mortgage rent. So you need to, you know, whatever, whatever, whenever there's something coming up ahead of you. I mean, and, and we've got the Great Recession coming hurtling towards us where we are today. You know, what happens? If our turnover reduces by 20%, 40%, 60%, let's actually do the sums now. Let's actually get the the, um, the staff list out. And let's actually put marks next to the people who would we would let go. Let's put marks next to the products or services we are going to let go of. Let's put marks next to the, the, the clients, customers, or, or channels to market that we think are vulnerable. Um, so that if... If it does go really badly, if it, if it does go bonkers, a bit like it did, you know, in March two years ago, then there is a plan, and we thought it through rationally. And one of the things that happened in COVID is that a lot of businesses were able to make make the tough decisions under the auspices of COVID, maybe, but they were able to like half their turnover, half their their, their staff numbers, but actually be a bit more profitable because. They now had the better people in the business and they were now focusing on a, on a smaller and maybe a more more mutual, more focused uh, selection of products and services. And do you think being able to take decisions like that, does it require some form of emotional detachments you talked about of course not doing it you know when you've been working for several hours a day and you know the you're, you're not sort of being blindsided by you know sort of emotion tiredness etc so do, do you think obviously a part of sort of that leadership if you will is about being you know cool calm and collected and being able to step back and sort of think very rationally about these things oh oh 100 percent. and you know as we as we look around you know our clients and, and the people we work with Ten years ago, if you said, Joe of hand, who's doing meditation or mindfulness, everyone would have looked embarrassed and looked, looked around and maybe one hand in a hundred would go up. And now, if you ask that same question to a hundred entrepreneurs, I reckon maybe 40 or 50% would put their hands up because people recognize that when everything's emotionally charged and caffeine charged and, um, and, Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, you know, dopamine hits and so on and so forth. Yes, you're making decisions, and it's quite exciting as you if you go up and down. But they're not they're not the greatest of decisions, and and we have a an incredible kind of myopia 
and we have a, an incredible, well, we, we become incredibly selective in the inverted commas data that we, we apply. Uh, and I think that, you know, a majority of those decisions, because they're really tough decisions, is it Fred or Frida? You know, is it product X or product Y? Um, we need to, you know, literally, as my mother would say, get out a piece of paper and put positive on one side and negative on the other. We need to find a way of 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 make, making sense. So whether that's a whether that's a you know, a, a list of twenty questions, is it cheaper? Is it faster? Is it friendlier? Is the clients want it? Is it easier to deliver? Is it more profitable? Does it bring in cash quickly? We need to find a a, a methodology to assess and 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 make decisions not just on gut feel, which I know is very, very exciting, but on on the facts or as close to the facts that we can get. And in my mind there's there's kind of three things. It's my my fog index. It's like there are facts, there are opinions, and there's guesswork. And way too often in the boardroom you know, I'll put my hand up and say, is that a fact, an opinion, or guesswork? And they'll say, it's a fact. I'll say, okay, so give me this. Where, where does it come from? You go, oh, well, actually, I read it on LinkedIn. Okay, so it's not a fact, it's an opinion, okay? In fact, it's not even an opinion. It's someone else's opinion, not based on fact. So actually, it's a guess. So you want me to make a decision about the future based on the fact that someone you read about said that, yeah, 90% of all sales are made as a result of social media. Like we kind of need to get back to, to data and facts and not just hunches. Exactly right. It, it's important that, you know, we, we do look at the facts when it comes to making these very, very difficult decisions. I think that is absolutely correct. And um, another key thing as well when it comes to sort of that decision making as well is that when we hesitate over these things, do you think that's because sometimes within leadership we're afraid of making bad decisions and we almost kind of shy away from possibly failing or suffering a setback oh lovely fear of failure yeah i think well i think fear of failure is the biggest fear of success actually i think we underestimate the notion of fear of success uh oh my god then i would be driving a ferrari and oh my god i'd lose all my friends i think the fear of success thing i think is something that people ignore but in terms of decision making i think there's two bits to decision making that we forget about. There's the, what I call the flailing bit, you know, where where our head stuff going round and we go, we could put up prices, we could reduce prices, we could sell into China, we could employ more people, we could employ less people, we could make it blue, we could make it red, we could you know, we could do it on a Saturday, you know, that all that noise at three o'clock in the morning. And then at some point of I guess if we were grown up we call that data gathering. Uh, at some point, we say, okay, now we've, now we've gone through all the ifs and woulds and shoulds and buts. We now need to make a decision. So the decision is we're going to put the prices up and it's going to be China. We now need to execute the heck out of it. And I think, you know, for me, uh, being in business is, yeah. And, and yeah, a success is like 95% of our, of our execution is about turning up, about doing stuff. You do stuff, you get a response. You tap around uh, doing all your risks and buts, you don't. So I think there is a process which goes, okay, we've got until 
tomorrow lunchtime, and tomorrow lunchtime we can make a decision, and then we're going to spend the rest of the week delivering on it. Because um, I think we kind of get, you know, 80 20, we kind of get pretty close. Not perfect, but we kind of get pretty close to a pretty good answer pretty quickly, usually. Um, so, so I think you need to let that great big piece of software in the back of your head toward your brain let it do its processing and out normally pops an answer so i'm quite a fan of you you'd call it sleeping on it but saying okay okay brain here's the issue you need a decision by 12 o'clock tomorrow i'm going to bed (laughs) back of the brain is whirring away while you sleep and often that answer pops out and the reason i say you've got to let that roll is because the first five answers are normally pretty obvious and pretty nasty. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, if I ask you any kind of business question, now you can come up with five immediate answers. But those are the answers that everyone comes up with. The really clever one, the really clever answer, the really cute solution, maybe answer number 15 or 16. So the best way to get there is to let, the, to let your subconscious work on it. Uh, and, and see what comes out at the end. It sounds a bit woo-woo, but actually, um, I don't think it is. No, and I completely see where you're coming from and agree with you, Robert, as well. It's taking that time to step back and really reflect on the problem, isn't it, rather than rushing into essentially what are obvious solutions, but which could ultimately prove very costly, as you say there. And um, just thinking about sort of how we move forward in this current difficult economic situation that we're in just because i'm conscious that we are running short of time um i'd be interested to understand what some of your sort of personal priorities are going to be when you're sort of working with your clients and helping your clients through the uh, the situation we currently find ourselves in um so i'm very clear our job is to help our clients navigate the way forward absolutely clear that, that they i know more about because we deal with similar class and similar issues, we know more about their issues than they do. And anyone who works in a niche will will have that. So our, so our job, number one, is to help them navigate them, which is to explain to them what other people are doing that work. And I think it's about, it's about um, tough love. So during COVID, I had several conversations along the lines of, you need to talk to your wife about the fact the mortgage is probably going to go and the kids are going to have to get a private education and be warned that when businesses do go pop, uh, marriage normally goes with it as well. So it's a norm- they normally turn around, but the point is you're playing the game of, of, of the tough love one. And likewise, helping people to make tough decisions, whether that's about headcount or prices or products or services. But I think that... Uh, it's also about getting clients to uh, uh, to act like adults, to recognise their tough decisions. It's their job. It comes with the territory. It's their job to make those decisions, and let's make the best decision possible based on as much facts as we can find. So I see, I see our job. I see our job as uh, handholding navigator, first and foremost. And then helping people to make tough decisions. And I think, um, I think it's just really, it is really, really hard. And I think sometimes that unbelievable sense of feeling alone 
when you're running a business is, is at its height when everything seems to be falling falling apart around you. And I think our role is to really help people not feel alone, get some confidence in their decisions. Mm, an incredible mission it is indeed as well and certainly wish you all the luck in the world Robert in executing that to the best possible effect and helping business leaders make those difficult decisions in the best way possible and uh, I'd actually relish you know once we kind of see more about the kind of challenges that um, our executives are going through um, it would be good to maybe catch up and have you back on the show in a few months time just to kind of see exactly what you've encountered and the kind of challenges you've helped those uh, those business leaders overcome. I'd be delighted to do that, that'd be absolutely great. Yeah, it would be my pleasure as well, Robert. And um, also just for those listeners tuning into the uh, the programme, I mean, if you did want to sort of read a little more into some of those business fundamentals that we have talked about today that every growing agency really needs to think about, um, you have authored your own book, as you mentioned um, at the beginning, uh, Robert, Grow Your Digital Agency, same uh, same title as uh, your business name, isn't it? Yeah, so so I've written a couple of books, a couple of books, uh, and the other one that people might, well, um, the one that's sort of, Grow Your Service Firm. There's another book that I wrote, which is more for service firms. And ironically, uh, 2008, I read a book called uh, Beating the Credit Crunch, which suddenly has started selling again, which is a bit embarrassing because it's self-published. And it looks, it looks very 2008 and 9. <laughs> but, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, read, look up, LinkedIn, all the, all the usual channels you can find out about, about me and what we do. Fantastic. And I'd certainly urge everybody uh, listening in, you know, if you are looking to grow your own agency to really seek out those resources. And uh, just as well for anyone tuning into the show today, if you feel that you have your own perspective on this issue or any other topical matter that is relevant to you that you'd like to bring to the discussion table, um, you can apply to be on our program as well to share that with us via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. And if you do have anything to say about the episode that we have recorded today, uh, you can do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk co.uk forward slash contact hyphen us as well um for now it has been my absolute pleasure to welcome executive coach and keynote speaker robert craven onto today's show thank you again for your time rob and uh, do take care and do stay safe with all that's still going on in the world and best of luck as well in helping those business leaders get over those hurdles and thank you very much indeed for letting me speak with you and your audience thank you very much indeed and to our audience i've been your host as always on the leaders council podcast scott challoner today and until next time do take care and we'll see you all again very soon indeed